Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points and uh, our friends at Bet Online. Uh, I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co host, Stella Bragan. And uh, we are back for part four. And yes, uh, the final edition of our 2020 NFL mock draft. We started this, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago now uh, with uh, our first eight picks, and then we advanced eight picks from there. And now that has led us uh, to start things off with the number 25 pick here in part four. As always, if you haven't listened to the the previous uh, episodes in this mock draft, uh, probably a good idea to go back and listen to those first uh, before you pick up right here with number 25. Uh, but we did start uh, with Dylan getting the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he selected Joe Burrow from there. We've alternated picks, uh, and that does lead us to the number 25 pick. And Dylan, uh, we look at the board here as we get ready to round out the first round. And uh, we don't have any trades here. We do have one that involved uh, a trade earlier in the draft, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, it seems like... This portion of the draft, uh, although we're not making any trades, uh, we have identified a few teams that we could potentially see maybe trade out of their spots and not necessarily uh, trade up, but could potentially uh, trade back. Yeah, I think that we'll start off with the Vikings here at 25. I think they're one that is probably going to stay in this range. We uh, you're, In the last draft, I won't give away in the last episode who you took with their first first-round pick. Um, exactly. But it was a wide receiver. I think their biggest needs, obviously, to, to get a, a receiver out of this really deep class as well as a cornerback. So I think they're going to stay with the 25 pick. But yeah, other than that, I mean, you can see a lot of these teams. I mean, in general, I think given the, the uh, nature of this draft with everyone uh, being remote and every all the kind of not really the same buildup as it usually is in terms of, you know, all the people in the, in the draft room and all the group think is kind of the one thing yeah. you've kind of seen. Uh, teams talk about they're happy they're not they're able to avoid that by this kind of limited contact but 
I think that makes it more unpredictable for us to, to think about <laughs> trades that could happen in this range. I wouldn't be surprised. I think uh, we'll get to a couple teams that uh, we considered trading back. But uh, at this point, I mean, uh, apart from, you know, knowing what the teams need, guessing where they're going to, uh, you know, address those needs is really uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> difficult at this point. But uh, we'll do our best to look at what we think are at least the best uh, picks in these scenarios. Yep. Uh, and we will start, uh, like you said, uh, with the Vikings here at 25. Uh, you hinted at it. We did uh, go receiver uh, with the 22 pick. And um, so now, obviously, they're not going to take another receiver here at 25. Uh, but uh, may wind up addressing the other side of the ball uh, there in Minnesota. Yeah, so definitely in, in terms of when I think about the Vikings, what they need a cornerback after the receiver, as I just mentioned, is where I think they'll go. Obviously, we, early in early in the draft, we had at least three corners, I believe, have gone off the board. Akuda uh, pretty early on. We had C.J. Henderson and also Jeff Gladney from TCU. So at this point, there's still a lot of good options. I, a couple guys I considered for this spot that – May or may not go later in our drafts. Our Christian Fulton and A.J. Terrell both kind of fit the bill in this exact range and what they're able to do. I think they definitely would make a lot of sense. A.J. Terrell insanely fast as well, bigger corner. So I think that could have been an intriguing option. I, After considering it, I kind of went back and forth to him and the guy I ultimately picked, which is Trayvon Diggs, which will be a lot of fun in terms <laughs> of it being uh, Stefan Diggs' brother with the Vikings with his old franchise. But I think uh, just between the two, I mean, uh, yeah, he missed a lot of games as a junior, but his last year, uh, the last year at Alabama, really just such a star, a similar big cornerback that I think can do a lot of the same things uh, that Terrell can. I, I, I just between the two, I feel like if I had to choose one for myself, I mean, you can tell if you've listened to this whole throughout this podcast, both of us kind of tend to go with Alabama guys. We're you know <laughs> thinking like John Gruden and Mike Mayock here, just Alabama all the way. But nonetheless, I think Diggs uh, will be a great fit for the Vikings as long as he doesn't hold it against uh, the franchise, <laughs> what, that, what happened with his brother. Yeah, that could be something there. Uh, you want to talk about storylines. Uh, that would be a fun storyline uh, for sure when you talk about that being a potential pick. But, yeah, the Vikings, uh, as we said, I mean, I, I think the Vikings are a team that, you know, if they address the wide receiver spot with that first pick, they really don't have a lot to lose, I think, with the second pick. And, and they, you know, I mean, look, we're looking at the talent on this board like you and I, like I'm going to talk about somebody in a second wondering how in the world he got to the spot that he's going to be in uh, where I'm going to take him. And it's like that shows you like there's a lot of talent. I know we say this every year with the draft, but like there's a lot of talent in here. And for these teams that have, you know, these two first round picks, uh, the 49ers ultimately didn't wind up having two in our draft because we traded one of them. Uh, but I still think it's it's a situation where the Vikings are in a good spot uh, getting those two picks, especially so close together. Uh, but they have options, too, where if they wanted to trade up, uh, let's say, and land one of those elite wide receivers mm -hmm. earlier, and that's not to say the one they took at 22 wasn't elite, but um, they have options, and uh, that's what you want to have entering the draft. But uh, speaking of options, no team has more options in this draft than the Miami Dolphins, um, <laughs> who are the number 26 pick, and uh, I... I was saying this to you before we started recording. I mean, if you're the Dolphins here, like you just might as well swing and and swing as you know hard as you can because <laughs> you're really at this point. Like I don't know if you're the Dolphins, you're you're really going to be looking at it and saying, well, this guy's a huge reach um, because you have so many picks and you have so many opportunities with what you could do here. Uh, we know earlier in our draft, the Dolphins did trade up uh, to number three, and they selected Tua Tagovailoa. Um, they traded with the Lions, and you know the Dolphins did give up one of their picks, but here they are still with another one um, and have an opportunity to address 
I think, another need. Uh, and that brings us to a very interesting selection here. And I did look at offensive tackle, and I thought, okay, well, if they traded that other pick in our draft, that means, you know, we're going to give an opportunity here to select a lineman. You've got Tua. Um, you know, you've got opportunities there. To, you want to protect him. We understand that. And I also uh, looked and said, okay, well, maybe, you know, they go on the other side of the ball, but I actually think the Dolphins are probably in better shape on the defensive side versus the offensive side. So everybody hates the running back right now, right? No one wants to pay running backs. Uh, No one (laughs) wants to to take a chance on the running backs. But if I'm the Dolphins and I've got a gazillion picks in this draft, um, I don't think that this guy is going to be there at their next pick which i think would be number 39 so mm-hmm. not too far in the second round but i don't think he's going to be there um there would be another running back that i think would be very intriguing in this spot and that's jonathan taylor uh so maybe they could wait and get him at 39 although again i don't know that he would be there so instead i'm going to stick with deandre swift uh the running back from georgia uh, here at number 26, uh, I think he's someone that you can, you know, you you pair him with Tua. All of a sudden, you've got a quarterback for the future. You've got a running back for the future, and you can go out now knowing that. Let, let's say again, if they were to, you know, keep one of those picks that we didn't wind up trading, they probably would have already addressed the offensive line with one of those earlier picks. Um, so I'll take a running back here, and knowing that they have another pick coming up, you know, in the next uh, 13 spots. Uh, then they can go after uh, another offensive lineman or however they want to do it. Yeah, I had no idea that was the direction you were going to go <laughs> beforehand. Yeah. Um, I think uh, getting Swift, uh, I, I, there's a few other teams like you mentioned that might have probably taken him before that uh, 39th selection. So uh, in terms of, like you said, they, they can afford, unlike some teams, maybe to, to kind of take a gamble a bit, uh, draft a little above their spot. If Josh Jones has still been available, maybe they would have gone that direction. I still think there's some really good offensive tackles. Um, Austin Jackson from USC is one that you're seeing more and more lately going in first-round box that I thought maybe you would have considered here. He still could be there at 39, though. Um, so, yeah, like they, they definitely have a lot more flexibility in the spot. I have another second-round pick later in the second round, too. There's so, so many different things the Dolphins can do. And to add, I mean, there's no question, whenever we talk about running backs um, in terms um, on the show in terms of <laughs> – their value and all that obviously yeah it's, <laughs> these guys are still special and they still can do some pretty incredible things and i think deandre swift uh there in miami they you know we've seen some of the, the really talented running backs they've had in the past that are now excelling in other franchises uh hopefully this year i still think offensive line uh, may have been the pick i would have gone with but as we're saying they still have got a couple more selections down the line um you know there's still other running backs that you know dobbins and uh, as you mentioned jonathan taylor that could go in this range um that may have been there at 39 but I think there's enough offensive uh, tackles, uh, quality guys that still are going to be there at 39. So getting Swift now uh, definitely will be exciting uh, to have that combination of him and Tua uh, for SEC fans down in Miami. Yep, there you go. So uh, the SEC combination, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like you said, it's it, probably offensive line would be the way they'd go. But I, I would probably look at it and say if they were still in that spot at number 18. I think they probably would have taken someone like Josh Jones there. You mentioned that. Um, but because we traded it, uh, I don't, you know, I think maybe waiting and they could get another one of these really good offensive linemen at 39. Uh, maybe you take a chance on uh, DeAndre Swift here. 
and uh, add another playmaker uh, to your offense. But uh, that brings the number 27 uh, to Seattle Seahawks. Uh, not so exciting, and uh, I think as we've noted, the Seahawks seemingly trade back every single year in the draft, and uh, maybe it wouldn't be surprising to see them make a move here uh, to, to move back. But uh, they've got options, too, uh, as they've got uh, several areas of need. And uh, when you see them connected to you know Leonard Fournette and all this other stuff, we don't know if that's actually going to happen. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they're one of many teams being connected there uh, to maybe landing Leonard Fournette. Uh, but uh, the Seahawks do have options, and uh, not as many as the Dolphins, but uh, they, they are on the board here at number 27. Yeah, two the two biggest needs for me when I think of Seattle, uh, still a team that uh, even if you know at times we've talked about how it would make a lot more sense for them to just let Russell Wilson do his thing and kind of take over games, but this team is still a very run first uh, operation, and I think their interior offensive line could use some work. So that's one spot that I'm considering, still considering as we as I make this pick here. This one's a this one's going to come down to the buzzer. Uh, right at the wire where they're going to have a discussion between that and edge rusher. I mean, if they had signed Clowney by now, maybe uh, this would be an easier decision for me. But the fact that that's still, uh, I don't know if it, there's, you know, it depend, depending on how many days a week you wait, you'll see a report saying it's it's looking like Seattle. Then there's no way it's Seattle. So um, <laughs> it's, it's tough for me to look at that and think for sure they're going to uh, have him in place. Uh, so there's a couple guys I've, I'm considering for that spot in addition to one I've written on our doc that Blake can see here. That uh, uh, I, you know, and a lot of mock drafts has gone earlier. Uh, there's another uh, guy, Julian Aquara from Notre Dame, um, that I've considered here as well. Uh, you know, another great edge rusher um, that could fit in really well. Yep. Um, so between yeah, so the two picks I'm thinking of to just uh, make it, so I'm no longer just alluding to something. But I'm going between Jack Bond from Wisconsin, uh, outside linebacker and pass rusher that has drawn a lot of comparisons uh, to, to some kind of, uh, you know, Kyle Vinoy kind of situation. So I'm not sure if that's where they're going to go. I still think the better option here is going to be the pick I'm going to go with, which is uh, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, uh, the top-ranked center in most um, on draft rankings. And I think for what they need, they I mean, uh, since they made the Jimmy Grant trade and got rid of their center in that deal, it really just hasn't haven't had a guy to really lock down the middle of their offensive line. Um, and I think there's just other opportunities for them a bit later in this draft. Um, they have after this, the 59th pick, they might be able to trade up from that. They have a 64th as well. Uh, so maybe they'll be able to get an outside linebacker. Maybe they'll still figure out the clowny deal. Um, but I think for what they, I mean, they still need to address pass rushers. So I'm not <laughs> totally confident about that, this pick, but overall, I still think they needed help in the interior of the line. I think Cesar Ruiz is a safer uh, selection here for Seattle 27. There you go. So uh, another another lineman. Uh, we continue the theme here, and uh, maybe the Dolphins, you know, wind up regretting that there at number 26, not taking it themselves. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, we've we've said it. Offensive line, wide receiver, like these are the two that we keep going back to in this draft. And it's, it's just, it's something that we're going to see a lot of probably. Um, and, and there's, you know, no doubt that, that it's teams are going to load up on these guys, knowing that there's so many good guys at these two positions in this draft. And so uh, add the Seahawks uh, to the mix when it comes to uh, teams that are looking at someone else uh, on the line there. But speaking of online, uh, bet online, uh, they continue to be the driving force here of the podcast And uh, while there's currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB going on, uh, we continue to remind you that you may think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. And that's because our exclusive partner, 
Bet Online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. They've got their online casino with blackjack and poker, and they are bringing Vegas to you if you're missing the NFL. No problem at all because Bet Online now has the live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. Plus, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, the stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And you can do it 24 hours a day because they're all open 24 hours a day, all online. All you got to do is use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. That is Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, that brings us to number 28. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are on the board here. And uh, as I mentioned in our previous episode, with some of the picks I made, if I'm the Ravens and I'm seeing the board ahead of me, and uh, I see that this guy is still available. I am running to the Microsoft Surface um, <laughs> or whatever you know I'm using. Maybe John Lynch's setup. I know that's gotten a lot of talk today. Um, about he's got about 14 <laughs> different screens uh, in his office. Uh, I am pushing the button as quickly as possible to make the selection of Kenneth Murray, uh, the linebacker from Oklahoma. I don't. He's one of these guys that we talk about. I don't know how he would get to this spot, but somehow in our draft, the way that it's shaked out, um, he has gotten here. And uh, probably because of the Saints selected uh, Patrick Queen at number 24. And uh, if not, I think they probably would have taken Murray there. But uh, two linebackers here that are really, really good. Uh, we mentioned Queen. And now for Murray, I think this is a perfect pick for the Ravens. And uh, if he were to be at this spot, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, it's an easy pick, like you're saying. I, I you know, looking back, if we redrafted, a, a, you know, a second mock draft, if we went through multiple of these, uh, we may have, we may have addressed this a little bit earlier. I, you know, for the Ravens to be able to not have to trade up for someone like Murray is, yeah. When we talked yeah. about the Patrick Queen pick, we obviously mentioned Murray as the other linebacker that is, I mean, you know, right up there. So, um, in terms of, yeah, for their sake, I know for a fact for me, uh, he's a guy that I considered earlier in the draft with the Eagles at 21. And I uh, would have been happy to take with uh, one of my last picks here coming up. But nonetheless, yeah, a really great get for a, a Ravens team that, yeah, doing a lot of transitioning on defense. They, I mean, they did it kind of well on the fly last year. There's still some, some things. And I think interior linebacker. And the thing about Kenneth Murray, I mean, with his speed and his ability, I think he can play pretty much any linebacker spot um, that you want to put him in. I mean, he does everything so well. Just a, a total package. So, yeah, a, a real A-plus uh, pick, I think, by you, Blake, here for the Ravens. Well, there you go. Another A-plus pick for me. Chalk it up. Uh, one of many here in this draft. Uh, but, no, like we said, it's just uh, I think with the way our draft – and it would be fun, you know, to have that redraft because I think there are probably a lot of different spots. And we, we'll talk a little bit about that on Wednesday's episode because we will have three episodes this week. Um, we have uh, this one, of course, and then uh, we'll kind of give some predictions and look back on our full – mock draft uh in in the next episode and then uh, we'll have our thoughts on the first round after it happens uh but yeah like this is one of those where it's there's there are going to be several guys we're going to look back on and say how did this guy get to the spot and i think there's going to be another one we're going to talk about here in a minute uh but uh yeah just a complete easy choice uh, for the ravens here uh, you get a, an elite linebacker and uh no doubt that the ravens would take him rather quickly Number 28, uh, that brings to number 29, the Tennessee Titans, uh, the new mm-hmm. face of the uh, Establish the Past podcast after I uh, just you know railed on them all season long <laughs> about their inconsistency and saying that I never trust them, and then they get one win away from the Super Bowl. Uh, so now here they are at number 29 spot, and we teased it a little bit. I think the Titans, Dylan, are a team that could very well trade down because yeah. – they don't have a lot of picks, and I could see them giving up this 29 spot, depending on who's there. Again, if one of these guys has fell to this point, 
that they absolutely love. They'll stay there and take him. Uh, but we're not going to make a trade, but uh, I would not be shocked at all if the Titans were to trade down to try to pick up some more picks. They just don't have a ton uh, in this draft right now. Yeah, that it could make sense. And like, like you said, we're not. This is the, one of the teams that before the episode we kind of previewed possibly doing a trade with. It uh, made sense in terms of the needs that they have for me uh, and like you're saying, the amount of picks they have. If they're able to you know, not fall back too far and, and pick up an additional pick, it would help them address their needs, which are all, for me, I'm really at this point, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, a team that, and not one of the, uh, they're in the bottom uh, third of the league in pass defense DVOA. A big reason for it, and it did, I mean, their secondary itself is not terrible, but they they just did not generate that much of a pass rush most of the season, and so that I, you know, in terms of they really need help all along the defensive line. So, like you're saying, maybe they could trade back and still get a guy like Jordan Elliott, um, and they, you know, to be a defensive tackle. But the, in terms of where I'm going to go, yeah, edge rusher, uh, this is a not a not an uncommon uh, selection um, in terms of uh, this guy being connected to the Titans, and that's Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State. Yep. Um, yes, they pick up Vic Beasley, uh, you know, but I, I really don't think that's going to be uh, from when we've talked about Vic Beasley. Uh, his, his best days were pretty early in his career. Uh, you know, overall for the Falcons fans, I uh, <laughs> can tell you about his uh, his career there and being a bit disappointing. Um, I, you know, Matos is a guy that is at this point pretty raw, but how he works pretty well for the Titans sake in a three, four defense, he can play either on the edge, um, in a kind of a linebacker spot or as a defensive end. So he has that versatility. He's massive dude that overall just for their, uh, for what they're looking to do, I think he just fills a lot of different needs and his versatility is a reason that I take him over the other edge guys that I've kind of discussed so far. Um, that could still uh, go in the spot. But yeah, Gross Matos, uh, again, not an unpopular uh, or uncommon pick on many mock drafts. He's connected to the Titans pretty much anywhere you look as a guy they should at least look at. Yep. Um, so to have him here, um, it works out for well for them if they're not going to trade back to take him at the spot of 29. Yeah, and then look, I mean, I think the the, the Titans in, in defense, like it's something where you know they're going to they're going to go that that route, I think, if they keep that spot. And so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see the Titans there uh, getting an opportunity uh, to take a big player there that would help them on defense. Uh, it's an area of need for sure, and uh, we'll see what happens there with the Titans. And that brings me to my pick at number 30. And this is one that, quite honestly, as I'm talking, I still have not decided on. Um, but <laughs> I've, deci- I've decided on the position, uh, so that helps, right? Uh, you at least are, are in the position – and I think more than likely, and, and it's not just because I've seen him, um, you know, in this range in a lot of mock drafts, but I think about, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is the most important, you know, aspect of, of the Packers. And um, mm. how can we help Aaron Rodgers? And I think a lot of people would point to <laughs> wide receiver, uh, because let's face it, outside of Devontae Adams, um, that was not the most reliable wide receiver unit in the NFL. Um, and so I would not be surprised if the Packers were to take a chance here on a wide receiver because we have to remember, you know, the Packers don't pick again unless they make a trade here. They've got a lot of late round picks, but they don't, you know, they have your normal five picks in the first five rounds. So they're going to be waiting mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, before their next pick, I think, is number 62. So, you know, they've got to make a move here unless the, unless they're going to trade up, you know, somewhere else in the middle there. So I think you've got to probably knowing that this is such a deep wide receiver class, I think you've got to take a chance here on a wide receiver. And and quite honestly, I think the problem 
is that there are so <laughs> many different ones and you know maybe that's yeah. a good thing maybe that's a bad thing but I, I don't really know like I almost think it's a good thing for the Packers because I, I don't know that they could really go wrong here if they decide to go with a wide receiver and so there are a lot of options here. Um, you know, probably uh, it's been split on some of the guys you've seen go to the Packers maybe in this spot. Uh, you look around, I think guys like Denzel Mims from Baylor uh, is one you see kind of around the spot. Um, you look at the, really the rest of the board, and I don't know, like it's a tough choice to figure out who's the guy that's going to go here at wide receiver. There are still some really good ones that we have on our board here. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. I'm going to... Uh, I've changed my mind a couple times here. I don't know if I'm going to go with this guy or not. But uh, you mentioned Michael Pittman from USC before we started recording. Uh, He was one that was probably in the top three here. Uh, I think him and I don't know, like I think some of these others. But I don't think I'm going to go that route. I think I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Um, I just think that he's someone that I think Aaron Rodgers would probably love his speed. Um, you know, we, we talk about playmakers and, and really what I like looking at is the comps, you know, who is this guy like, and if you look at the draft network, which is, it's an outstanding resource, by the way, I know everyone knows that if you, you follow the draft, but, uh, they do a great job with like the comps and all that. And, and one of the ones they have, uh, from, from one of their analysts is Cordero Patterson. Now we know that Cordero Patterson, you know, he's not your thousand yard receiver type, but he's Mm -hmm. that guy who can completely, you know, when he was at his best, like he was someone who could just completely, you know, change a game at a moment's notice. And so I think because he has the ability to be so good after he catches the ball, uh, I think Ayuk could be someone that could be very intriguing for the Packers. And what we're saying is, you know, how many of these receivers are still going to be there at number 62? And if the Packers mm-hmm. don't make another move, um, you've got to go receiver here, I think. And it's probably a choice between a handful of guys, which is probably pretty good for the Packers. Yeah, I think the only guy outside a receiver that I really would have had a tough pa- time passing on here would have been Kenneth Murray, given I, I still think they need to uh, add a linebacker. But um, now with him off the board, yeah, receiver, like you said, there's a there's a pick of so many guys that uh, that are, we're not going to pick in the first round here in our mock that might go in the first round, yeah. um, or at least at the very least early in the second round. Um, so yeah, in terms of how you uh, compliments Devonte Adams in that offense too, I think it's a, a great selection uh, with Aaron Rodgers' arm. Obviously, their ability, his ability to kind of uh, elevate the defense back. I think it works out really well um, as a deep threat on the opposite side of Devonte. Um, I, I, you know, they went for Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. There's a connected there. I, you know. Ayuk, not maybe not the exact comparable there, but in terms of a speedster that can really stretch a defense vertically, I think he will fit well in with the Packers. And yeah, definitely outside of yeah, like I said, Kenneth Murray, if he was still there, man, yeah. I, I mean that would be really <laughs> tough. And then maybe the Packers find to get it, you know, somewhere higher to get one of these receivers a little bit earlier in the second round. But at this point, with him off the board, yeah, I think no reason to wait. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great fit for Green Bay's scheme. And I think Aaron Rodgers will definitely appreciate having another weapon. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get a receiver here in the spot. I mean, if they don't trade down, which, again, I don't really know why they would because their next pick's not till 62. But um, you would think with the, the depth of the, at this position, I think the Packers will stay here. And, uh, the, you know, if there's not maybe an offensive tackle, I don't know. I mean, I can't. Like some of the mock drafts, you see Josh Jones. I don't think there's any way Josh Jones is sliding all the way to 30 um, at this point. I just I don't see it. But, again, that's what happens in front of you, dictates what you do. Um, but uh, I think the Packers pretty safe bet to take a wide receiver. We'll see. 
That brings us to number 31, which is not the San Francisco 49ers, as it was originally when we started this draft. It is instead the Cleveland Browns. And this is something that we're probably going to talk about in our next episode. Uh, If you listen to our early episodes, we did make the decision, I think it was on part two, that we knew there was going to be one team that really wanted to trade up, and it sounds like now there's multiple teams, and we'll get more into that uh, on the next episode. But we decided to let the 49ers be the team that traded up uh, to number 10 with the Browns in exchange for their other pick, which is now sitting here at number 31. So the Browns have the number 31 pick. um, And now, you know, if you're Cleveland, we go back to number 13, which is where Mm -hmm. they made that trade from 10 to 13, and now getting that extra pick here at 31. Um, The Browns are – they took an offensive lineman in that spot, so they're not going to go there in this spot. Uh, But, Dylan, uh, they have options, and uh, I think that they probably have a pretty good option uh, here at number 31. Yeah, uh, after, obviously, offensive line, that's partially why we traded back from them from 10 because there's just so many uh, guys that kind of fit into what they're looking for. In our in our mock draft, we had a bunch of teams trying to trade up to get one of the top three receivers. Yeah, like you said, if we could go back, we might have uh, picked a, switched a different team into that spot, probably the, the, the Broncos. But nonetheless, for the Browns at this point, I mean, they have the 41st pick as well still. Uh, so there's uh, a lot of things I think linebacker they still could address from here on out, but I, I think there'll probably be some guys in that spot that will fit well in for them. So it's safety is the, the other need. I, there's a lot of corners still left, but I think safety is a spot where they could really improve at this point. Um, you'll see them kind of connected to Kyle Duggar and a lot of mocks in the 41 spot um, or possibly later in the early in the third round if he fell that far. But I think it, uh, we are we have what, probably, in my opinion, the, the best safety in this draft off the board already in Xavier McKinney. So uh, I, in this spot, it wasn't really too difficult for me. I, I figured, based on what they need and uh, the actual players still available here, that Grant Delpit would be a great fit um, mm-hmm. from LSU. We, we've been really heavy on these <laughs> SEC guys, especially LSU and, um, and Alabama. But no, in terms of what the Browns need uh, in their division, too, you, you had Eric Ebron. I know he hasn't, hasn't been fantastic. Um, in the last few years, but he's, you know, and has flashes of brilliance. Uh, now you add that to Pittsburgh offense as a weapon, obviously Mark Andrews uh, with the, the Ravens. This guy is one of the better, uh, I think, safeties, probably the best safety available in terms of just man-to-man defense on uh, tight ends. So I think that will be a huge get in this in their division with what they have to match up with. And overall, to solidify uh, their uh, secondary as a whole, missed tackles are the one thing you'll see in every scouting report with him that have yeah. been a concern. Um, so... But at the end of the day, I think there's still enough there, and where the match uh, matches their need. And with this extra first round pick, again, if he, if you know, there's a chance that he could have fallen to 41. But I think there's uh, with this extra pick here, there's no need to wait and possibly miss out on some of the team grabbing him between now and then. So, yeah, I think Delpit will be a, a good pick here. I know he, a guy that also looking back to if you looked at mock drafts, uh, you know, not that long ago, even going back to last year. There were, there were some that had him in the top 10, top 15. So, uh, yes, yeah. he, you know, he, his value definitely dropped with his performance uh, last year. But I still think the Browns will make good use of him in this spot. Well, you say we're going heavy on LSU and the SEC, huh? Well, we're not done yet. <laughs> um, so, yes, there you go. An LSU player uh, here off the board at number 31. And what do you know? Uh, there's going to be another one going off the board here at number 32. That is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, just like I've said, I mean, I think I've legitimately said this with um, <laughs> probably three or four of my picks here in the past, 16, 17 picks maybe. Um, I am running to uh, the computer to dial <laughs> this one in. If I'm the Chiefs sitting here at number 32 and this guy is still available, um, you know, no surprise. It's Christian Fulton because he's someone else 
like we say, you look at the mock drafts. He there's been such a wide variety of where he could land, um, but the fact that he's sitting here <laughs> at number thirty two and and quite I mean quite frankly there are some people who believe that like he's as good as C J Henderson who we had mm-hmm. go to the Falcons at number sixteen and he's someone we said could very well go much earlier than that even to the Raiders yep. maybe at twelve or even yep. higher. Um, so if you think about it, if you're the Chiefs in the last pick of the first round and Christian Fulton is sitting here and this is one of your biggest areas of need, maybe your biggest area of need, my goodness, like, I mean, it's just like this draft is just a home run, um, you know, for the Chiefs. If they get him at number 32, I think that is another one that's just an easy selection. So (laughs) we start the first round with an LSU pick. We finish the first round with two LSU picks. Um, That is the the joy of being the national champions, I guess. Yeah, no, Christian Fulton, obviously a great selection here for what they need. I think that only teams that maybe I, like I said earlier in this episode, I considered him to the Vikings at 25. Like you said, there's there's mocks that have him going to the, as high as 12. Other ones that have him falling early in the second round. So yeah, his range is definitely being debated in terms of where he should fall. But yeah, a guy that uh, at, at the very least, I think uh, the comparable that I've seen AJ Boye kind of uh, set of skills that uh, I, you know if if that's what you're getting at the very least, that's still an exceptional. Uh, number two uh, corner, uh, you know, can be a number one in some defenses if he has to. And yeah, for the Chiefs uh, at this point, uh, they're a team that obviously too can trade back. I guess. I mean, like we said, all these teams yeah. could, but I, I do think um, for them, I don't. A cornerback is definitely like we're talking about some of these teams that have so many different needs. And while I do think uh, there are some, uh, I mean, like a, a, in the interior, of the offensive line is one part of uh, where Kansas City could work on themselves here. But I think corner is clearly the one spot. Um, that de- definitely needs to be addressed. There's, uh, regardless of who's available, I think there's just so many different options for Kansas City that no matter how this goes, even if Fulton goes way higher, they'll have a great, uh, a great uh, option at that spot. But yeah, to get to get Fulton that late, I mean, there, there's a chance that we're, we're watching the 2020 season and Fulton's an absolute star for the Chiefs, and everyone's like, how the hell did <laughs> Kansas City, after winning the Super Bowl, get a guy like that? But uh, there you go. Yeah, uh, I think a great selection for them here. Yep. So there you go. There is our mock draft uh, for the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, and uh, we will revisit some of these in our next episode and uh, kind of look back on what we thought maybe were some of our better moves, some of our you know moves that we would probably change. We'll probably focus more on those uh, because we've talked about how good you know some of these moves at least look if some of these players get to this point, uh, but. Uh, There are some ones we'll look back on, and we will look ahead and make some of our predictions or what we actually feel good about heading into the (laughs) NFL draft, and we will see uh, how wrong uh, we are with with some of those uh, choices. But, uh, Dylan, speaking of the draft, uh, all kinds of draft stuff going on over Clutch Points here as we gear up for Thursday. Uh, Let everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, you can go to clutchpoints.com to the NFL section there. We have, yeah, tons of uh, previews. Uh, for each team and they're going over their needs and uh, where they might make selections where guys fit in the best so yeah all of that can be covered uh, you can be found at clutchpoints.com nfl section if you search nfl draft all of our draft articles will come up right there as well as in the clutch points app in the nfl section there as well so yeah no definitely excited yeah uh, extra episode we're going to have after the first round this week um, yeah. definitely a lot more stuff we need to get together on the written side but uh yeah it should be exciting um, definitely looking forward to having some you know, we got the Jordan documentary now that's giving us some sports for 
uh, you know, once a week at least. But at least for this week, we'll also have the draft to, to keep us interested. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no doubt about it. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll see, as we said, uh, which teams uh, pretty much ruin everything with some technical glitches or, um, you know, who's the first to get hacked? That's going to be uh, the real question, I think, of this draft. Yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, probably so. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens there. But, yeah, check all that stuff out at Clutch Points. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, on any podcast app you use. And, uh, as always, thanks to the fine folks at Blue Wire and Bet Online for all that they do. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Past podcast. <laughs>